Hey, it's the Baldy Bishops. All right, Matt. Okay, Alan. You all right? Yeah, mate, I'm good. Good. You want to ask me how I'm doing? How are you, Alan? I'm doing okay, thank you. <laughs> I've uh, broken my fast, can't believe it. I'm doing, not, I, I, I just literally disobeyed Matthew 5 to 7, but I'm not fasting for <laughs> spiritual reasons. I'm just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. losing a bit of side flub. Intermittent fasting. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yes, I feel good eating again. Um, so we're What have in- you had to eat? Well, fuel, which is awful. So you've not really eaten. <laughs> no, I'm still hungry. You just drank something. <laughs> yeah, drinking liters of water and then fuel. So, um, yeah, good fun. We're looking at eating actually today. Oh man, there you go. That's ironic, isn't it? What um, a segue. Yeah, it was beautiful. So, First <laughs> Corinthians 11 today, and we're looking at the one another gospel community stuff. Uh, and remember, the church at Corinth is is deeply divided, full of hostility, pride, and selfishness. Um, the church and the churches, we've been looking at how they were divided over their favorite teachers. Um, and then we're looking at how they were divided over liberty issues mm. in chapter 8 to 10. And now, tonight, today, we're looking at um, chapter 11, which is a, a division over wealth and status. Um, so, a division over socio- socioeconomic grounds. Ooh. Mm, there you go. Um, so before we get into it, gospel truth leads to gospel identity, leads to gospel practice, leads to gospel community, mm-hmm. right? That's how it's, Absolutely. That's what's meant to be happening. But yeah. that's not happening in Corinth. Um, but before we get into it, uh, so the, the rich, there's rich people in Corinth, there's poor people in Corinth, there's free people in Corinth, there's slaves, there's Jews, there's Gentiles, yeah, yeah, there's barbarians and Scythians, there's men and women. Yeah. So there's lots of different people. Divisions galore. Yeah, and yeah. hanging around in Corinth. Yeah. Um, and yet all these different people, um, amongst those different people, uh, people had trusted in Jesus. And so now all these people who are naturally divided from one another are actually called to live in unity with one another, mm-hmm. or they are united and called to live in unity with one another. So that's that's the that's the background of, of Corinth. Um so what what was meant to be taking place and uh just kind of breaking down a little bit in, in verse 20 and verse 33 of chapter 11 it talks about this idea of them coming together to eat um so the early church as you as you as we know the early church often met in the homes of wealthy believers um are you, you all right <laughs> yeah i'm good mate. <laughs> you're looking for every single item of your life <laughs> Okay, so the early church often met in the homes of wealthy believers because their homes had the capacity to accommodate a large group of people, right? So you didn't meet in a church building. There weren't church buildings. You would meet in the wealthy people's homes. They would have a nice big villa with a nice big space in the middle of it where everyone could gather together and things like that. That was yeah. that was typical, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, as part of the gathering, the early church would actually have a meal together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing that on Sunday. We're having our fellowship meal. So that's actually very biblical that mm-hmm. that happens. Um, and this meal that they had was known as the love feast. Mm. So they had a love feast. Together. I love that. Just just before we get into it, mm-hmm. this is so foreign to what most twenty first century Western Christians experience <laughs> week in week out. Isn't yeah, it? walk in Sunday, do the service, walk out again. Yeah, but they did a love feast and in home as well, at, at, in each other's yeah. homes. And and the idea of the Lord's table, according to this passage, 
was actually the end or part of the love feast. So at some point during this feasting, not, you know, not, I mean, that word sounds, but <laughs> this fellowship meal that they mm-hmm. were experiencing together, the, the Lord's table will be celebrated, mm-hmm. whether that was mm-hmm. in the middle or afterwards or before there's debate. But the idea was that it was actually a part of this love feast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little bit more like what Jesus had, the Passover meal. And while he was eating the Passover meal with his disciples, he, he took the bread and took the cup mm-hmm. and said, mm-hmm. this is this is now to be done in remembrance of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the last wealthy believers worked long days. Um, mm-hmm. They were slaves and laborers. So typically, they would end up coming to the worship gathering and the meal later. That meant that services actually took place early in the morning or later in the day, just to accommodate the slaves and the laborers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. which is admirable. Yeah, that's that's great. That's happening. And then people who normally would have absolutely nothing to do with each other would be sitting around tables together, eating a meal, like mm-hmm. sharing life together, mm-hmm. sharing food together, passing passing the broccoli or whatever over to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, rich and poor people sitting side by side, slave and free people side by side, Jew and Gentile, me and female. Barbarian and Scythian, mm. brothers and sisters in Jesus, all one family together, enjoying each other's company, celebrating their unity with God and their unity with one another, all pointing each other to Jesus, serving each other and praying for each other. That was That's what's meant to be happening mm. here. Mm. Um, so the wealthier people, they've been blessed financially by God, and they were using their resources to serve the poorer people in this way by providing more food for this meal uh, together. Mm-hmm. Which is a beautiful picture of unity, isn't it? And yeah. Love and sacrificial uh, respect for one another. Yeah. Yeah. So this is beautiful. So what, when the world looks at this, the world of Corinth unbelievers look in on this and what's going through the, the mind of Corinthian unbelievers. Mm-hmm. So foreign, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and this is a, this is meant to be a, a beautiful testimony of God's uniting power in the gospel. Mm-hmm. God who united us to himself has united us to one another, and what a real bright shining light that is in a dark world of division mm. that was happening in Corinth. That's yeah. that's what's meant to be happening. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and I think um, what, what God, God obviously obviously that came out of a love for and wanting to serve each other while serving Christ, and it was a beautiful thing. Yeah, and and we have we have an uncanny way as human beings of um. Of undoing or or or, or um corrupting something beautiful <laughs> that god gives you yeah know I mean? we take god's gifts and we mess them up yeah big, basically yeah, that's the flesh in a nutshell in it yeah so that helps us to see then what it had become so what it was meant to be and then we look at what it had become mm. and uh verse 17 it says your gathering together is not for the better but for the worst mm-hmm. i think it's the niv says it's your gathering together is more harmful than it is helpful. Something like that anyway. I don't think it says that. That's the Alan Campbell version. But it's more harmful than it is helpful. So you're actually meant to be coming together to uplift, encourage, serve, edify. But actually people are walking away more harmed than they were helped by that meeting together. Yeah, so it was, it was, meant, it was meant to cause unity, but it was causing division. Yeah. So it's doing the exact opposite. It's completely counterproductive at this point, right? Yeah. In verse 18, uh, they were coming together and there was division among them. Mm. Uh, now, 1 Corinthians 3, which we looked at previously, what does that indicate? What does division indicate according to 1 Corinthians 3? I don't know, mate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you tell me. You're the one teaching me. All right. 1 Corinthians 3 <laughs> says that I have to speak on to you as babes. And oh, as, that, yeah, as carnal. That, yeah. Sorry, man. Yeah. It was, so, it was, so it was, it was saying that they weren't mature enough. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a real indication that these people are, 
again, deeply immature and mm. deeply worldly, is that there's division during this time when they're supposed to be united around the meal together. Um, and what was happening was, verse 21 to 22, um, and if you want to read that, verse 21 to 22, actually, that would be helpful. Yeah. We get there back from chapter three now. <laughs> panicking, trying to figure out what the context was. I don't like looking stupid on the podcast. <laughs> verse 23 to what? No. Chapter 11, verse 21 to 22. Okay. 11, 21 to 22. Got you. We're in First Corinthians. If you- <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. Um, we're in eating everyone. Man, I'm in, the- I'm in the KJV. Sorry. It's all right. You can be there. <laughs> <laughs> For in eating, everyone takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I not praise you in this? I do not praise you. Right. So the poor, the poorer believers, it's hard to say, uh, slaves and laborers come later to the gathering because of their work hours. The rich people who could afford to have an earlier day, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're coming earlier. They're bringing the food and they're having a big feast, eating and drinking in excess leaving nothing for the poor people to eat when they came in. Mm. Totally the opposite of mm. what's meant to be happening here. Yeah. And the other idea of what's happening is because all the rich people came around the same time, they're all sitting together on the tables. So when the poor people come in, they're sort of like made to sit somewhere else together. So instead of all sitting together as brothers and sisters in Jesus, they're separated. One group is full and even some of them are drunk, it says. Mm, mm. And the other group are hungry and embarrassed and tired after a long day. Um, and the idea was that the poor would have just been given the bread and the cup and nothing else. Mm. When, when, when you think about this, what, what a tragedy this would have, would have been because, because, of course, sin unites us, right? Sin is the great equalizer. Mm. It brings everyone level pegging. So you're horrible. I'm horrible. We're all horrible. But the gospel is supposed to bring everyone level pegging too, because it's the grace of God. Yeah. And imagine these slaves coming in, and it's supposed to be a place of unity and a place of love, and they come in, and it's yeah. the exact opposite of yeah. that. It's just the same as the world. It's not unifying at all. Yeah, exactly the same as it was out there. Mm. It's what they're it's been experienced in the church. Yeah. So the poor the poor believers are walking away from these gatherings hungry and humiliated while the rich are walking away full and, like we said, some are even drunk. Mm. Totally opposite of what God had intended. So God's opinion of this is the next little section we look at. And remember, it's Paul writing here, but he's under the inspiration of the Spirit. So this is God's view of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, in verse 20, he basically says, this is not the Lord's Supper. It's not the Lord's Supper. Mm. So that's an indictment on the whole is, the yeah. whole thing there. Um, verse 27, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm just thinking about this. I wonder how many times God, if God could speak directly to us, he would say, this is not the Lord's Supper. Well, or this is not Bible preaching. Or <laughs> this is this is not um, worship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. How often do we get the heart of it wrong? Yeah, to yeah. where God would indict us. Yeah, Sorry, they, just... no, it's good, man. They could call it the Lord's Supper all they want, mm-hmm. but it's it's not um, because of what they're doing. So, so listen to this, man. Behave in this way made them unworthy to partake of the Lord's table. Mm-hmm. I've often heard that verse. I've even preached this, these verses from twenty-seven onwards, out of the context of which it's in. The context of which is in is 
your brothers and sisters in Christ being humiliated and shamed by you, mm. a, a total lack of unity amongst you, and then you going ahead and taking the table. Mm. Um, you're unworthy to partake of it. And because you're partaking of it in this unworthy way, you are profaning the table. Mm. So this is what this is saying, man. My worthiness, according to this verse, this isn't me. I'm just, I'm just trying to see what this verse is saying, this passage. My worthiness to partake in the Lord's table is determined by my treatment of my brothers and sisters. Mm. That's different, <laughs> isn't it? It's different than yeah. anything that we've ever learned about what this is saying. Yeah. There was a lot of conversation last night. Mm-hmm. About how we've always been made to believe this is this is a time for a witch hunt in our lives, right. and it's it's not that there's anything wrong with during the Lord's table having a time of overall reflection. I think it's a good, healthy spiritual discipline. Yeah. actually, yeah. Um, and Lord's table is a great platform for that to take place. Mm-hmm. But scripturally speaking, yeah, that's actually not the issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, normally you think about this idea of unworthy, and you think that's a First Corinthians five sin, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But what Paul's saying is. What, what do you mean by First Corinthians? First Corinthians five, like a guy having sex with his, yeah. you know, unlawful sex. So, yeah, it's good, man. So most people think like it's these type of sins are this, like those shameful sins, those high sins. Um, and Paul saying actually, it's being divided from your brother and sister mm-hmm. in Christ mm-hmm. is making you unworthy and profaning this table. Um, it's hypocrisy to eat this bread and drink this cup as a sign of my unity to Jesus and my unity in Jesus, mm. and then to not live that out in my relationships. Wow. The, the bread and the cup are symbols of the fact that Jesus has brought me into union with God mm. and into union with my brothers and sisters, which is why we t- partake of the table together. We don't take it into, a, you know, you don't do this, you don't do this in your home, you know, you do this in the church gathering because it's unity with Christ mm. and a symbol of your unity with one another. And it's absolute hypocrisy to eat this bread and drink this cup and not be living in unity with your brothers and sisters. Because mm-hmm. that's what's a that's what it's a symbol of. Wow. Um, yeah. So we get to verse 29 to 30, and it says that if you're drinking it in an unworthy manner, you're eating and drinking judgment to yourself, not discerning the Lord's body. Mm-hmm. And for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many are sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think it means when it says not discerning the Lord's body? I give two things, but what was your takeaway from what? Would, what did you think that was? Um, yeah, not discerning the Lord's body. Um, that can either be not giving the Lord um, his rightful place among your brethren, in my opinion, or... Um, it could be just referring to the body as a whole, the Lord's body, the church. Mm-hmm. Um, those are probably my, my two, what I would go th- with probably. Yeah, man. No. So yeah, it's uh, like some people say it's the, the bread and the wine, which is the, the body, the symbol of the body and blood of Jesus. I think that's what it's talking about. Yeah. Or not regarding the body, which is the people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So because, you know, verse 27, the guilty of the body and mm-hmm. blood of the Lord. Any, mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, the, the whole idea is like you're doing something wrong here, and it's it's bringing judgment to yourself. Yeah. Um, verse thirty two goes on and says, "But when when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world." Mm. So this whole idea, it's not a loss of salvation that's taken place. Yeah. Because you know you're you're not going to be condemned with the world. Right. It's yeah. a loss of physical health, and in extreme cases, physical life. Mm. So. What's this passage? What are these verses saying? <laughs> well, there's there's the word judgment, which I think in the KJV is condemnation, isn't it? Um, something something of that sort. So it's it's judgment, condemnation. It's a physical judgment on many believers. Again, 
like you said, I think this is really important. This is not talking about a loss of salvation because right. this word worthiness, which is going to come out again here in a minute, um, there's a gospel truth, an intrinsic gospel truth that is not being applied necessarily mm-hmm. here in the usage of this word worthy. Right. Um, he's made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Yeah. And that is that is intrinsic in terms of our um, spiritual existence now. Yeah. Um, but not a loss of salvation, but of physical health and potentially of physical life. Right, right. So these people are believing the gospel in its doctrine, mm. but they're not. But they are denying the gospel in their practice. Mm. And according to this passage, that's actually really serious. Um, so it's to 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 say you believe the gospel, but to treat to treat each other as if the gospel is not true. Yeah, that's serious in God's sight, according to this passage. Mm. Um, God is so serious about the churches in Corinth living in the unity of gospel community that Jesus died to bring them into, that he's chastising people here for the purpose of repentance, mm. and he's literally killing people who are refusing to repent. Mm. Uh, and what are they refusing to repent of? This shaming their brothers and sisters, this divisive attitude that they have as they partake in the bread and the cup. Yeah, and, and when you really think about, I mean, the, the Christian, so, so, so the Christian life and, and the, the atonement, the atonement is meant to cover guilt and shame, mm-hmm. um, the guilt and shame of, of, of sin. Now, now, of course, we're supposed to feel, feel guilty when we sin. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to feel guilty when we when we uh, when we disobey the Lord, and all of that, of course. And that's supposed to lead us to repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's not meant to be the ruling uh, the rule of Christians. It's not right. supposed to be, especially when we come together. Shame and guilt should never be something that we weaponize toward yeah. one another. And that's what's happening here. So I was writing this earlier today. Jesus, the God of glory, was prepared to take on himself the form of a servant, to stoop down to unite himself to you. Mm. And and these Corinthians were not prepared to stoop to unite themselves to their brothers. Mm. Jesus, the God of glory, spent time with prostitutes, cripples, lepers, blind beggars, Galileans. And these Corinthians were not prepared to stoop like their Savior did. Jesus, the God of glory, commands his people to not just invite their friends and their equals, but they invite the poor and the outcast to their homes for a meal, and they're not being prepared to obey him in this. Jesus had come to smash down the walls of these social boundaries, and it was his followers in Corinth were actually rebuilding these walls in his name. So he'd smashed down the walls, and they're rebuilding them again. Um, The great theme of Jesus' prayer in John 17 is the unity of his people, that they would be as unified as he and the Father are. And these people in Corinth were working against the very heart's desire prayers and purposes of their king and savior mm. so that's why this is so serious yeah M- macarthur um in his commentary he actually says this the offense was so serious that god put the worst offenders to death mm. an extreme but effective form of church purification man that's heavy that's really heavy, heavy stuff man, man. but it's <laughs> this is what god thinks about mm. this is how serious gospel community mm. is jesus died to give it to us um, and, and these people were corrupting it. Mm-hmm. So God's call to repent then is the next little step here. Um, now remember chapter 11 comes after chapter 1 to 10. We have to remember that chapter 1 to 2 has been full of gospel truths. Chapter 8 had that lovely truth of being known by God mm-hmm. and intimate experiential knowledge. Um, chapter 10 verse 17 talks about us being one body together. Chapter 11 verse 33, call, Paul calls them my brothers, my brothers and sisters, my family and Jesus. And of course, verse 23 to 26 of this chapter is 
all about the death and coming again of Jesus Christ for us. Mm. Um, so the, the gospels throughout all of this, right? So gospel truth leads, should lead to gospel identity, should lead to gospel practice, should lead to gospel community. Mm-hmm. Um, so Paul calls them to repent. In, in verse 28, he tells them to examine themselves. Um, and the idea is look into yourself and see if this sin is in you. Mm-hmm. See if you're living this divisive way amongst your brothers and sisters. Verse 31 is a call to judge themselves, mm-hmm. um, to, to consider yourself as worthy of condemnation um, in and of yourself, but then to repent because <laughs> there's mercy in Jesus, even if you're guilty of this sin. Mm. Um, so repent, and it's Jesus that makes you worthy to partake again of, of this. Mm. Repenting of your sin and coming to Jesus for mercy. That's the call, isn't it? Repent. Yeah. So it's not if, you, if they find themselves to be guilty of this, they couldn't, they they were still able to take the table so long as they repented. Mm-hmm. Um, and genuine repentance, of course, would lead to yeah, yeah, a course, genuine yeah. lifestyle change. But, but what, does, what does genuine repentance look like in this scenario? Well, verse 33. Um, mm. Well, I mean, we talk about the beautiful applications of it, but verse 33 is that answer, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Mm-hmm. So that's specifically <laughs> the repentance looks like waiting mm-hmm. until the poor and the slaves come mm-hmm. and then sharing out and sitting together and and not living in this shameful way. Mm-hmm. Verse 34, if you're hungry, you know, the, this love feast basically yeah. is not to fill your bellies it's to fill your souls with one another. It's mm-hmm. to it's to come together with full hearts and and even empty hearts that need to be filled with Jesus. And food's just a beautiful part of that. It's a beautiful picture of our fellowship, but mm-hmm. it's not the point. So eat at home if you're hungry, then come and enjoy <laughs> it's eating. Like, it's like if you can't hold out long enough, I'll have a little snack before you come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have a, have a, you just you're, eat it eat when you get there, but <laughs> have a couple figs. Curb your appetite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. So bring that down to the 21st century, right? Mm. Um, what does this look like for us today? What, what, are, what are the implications and the takeaways for for Blurton and for anyone really listening who's a follower of Jesus? Well, I mean, for one, I, I would say our relationship with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, as the body of Christ, is a lot bigger of an issue than we think it is. Mm. So our maintaining of our fellowship one with another it's not as, um, as secondary as we think it is. Yeah. It's actually primary yeah. in the Christian it's life. It's really serious to God. In, in fact, like everything that the Bible says about being a gospel believe, believer, other than what we believe about God, mm-hmm. um, always has to do with our relationship with one another. Yeah. So it's like orthodoxy and heterodoxy and all those types mm-hmm. of words. But it's like an order, and this is coming out in some of the things that you and I have been listening to and reading after and mm-hmm. what we've been discussing on here. Yep is that um, you're not really orthodox if you're not practicing the gospel. Yeah. So historically, so, so for example, the Reformation was all about orthodox Christian theology. Mm-hmm. It was all about coming back to what was orthodox. What We could go back to the, to the apostles, the apostles of the apostles, and we can see what's orthodox and what people were believing. Mm-hmm. But what this is saying is that what is just as orthodox is how you treat your brothers and sisters, how you live out what you say you believe about the gospel. Yeah. So if you're living out of fellowship with your brother or sister, you're actually not an Orthodox Christian. Yeah, you're not You're not living as if this is true. Um, it, this doesn't mean waiting for people who are late because of per time management. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, that's a, well, look, chapter 11, you have to wait for me. Like, well, yeah. that's not quite what this is saying, mm-hmm. but it's saying involve everyone. Yeah. 
Um, It's saying that class, wealth, culture, ethnicity does not divide us anymore. You know, that the the person on benefits at the church and the person who's making millions at the church are brothers and sisters and should, and should be functioning that Mm. way. Mm. The, the, the Africans in our church and the, um, the British in our church should be functioning as brothers and sisters in Jesus. Mm. You know, that, that, that's, yeah. that there's no division anymore in yeah. Christ. We're, we're brothers and sisters. We're going to see in the next chapter, um, I'm, I'm sure, that, um, there's this concept of, because it's talking about diversity of gifts, we're component parts of a whole. Yeah. You know, and that that idea that with without that person, it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. The specific individual. Yeah. 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 Um. But, but but I think this also means you were asking me how this looks in Blurton twenty twenty three. Um this this means that I I need to let God's word be a guide to me because God's word is warning me of of this scenario where I would be unworthy mm. to take the Lord's table. Um for example, soft answer turns away wrath. Yeah. Um don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So so if if there's something between me and my brother or mm-hmm. sister mm-hmm. and I'm I'm not worthy to take the Lord's table. Um, I need to make that right. Yeah. As, as Christians, we should we should be in the practice of keeping. Uh, I don't know how to say it, but to keep keeping short accounts mm-hmm. with one another. Mm-hmm. So whenever we've offended one another, yep. like very quickly, run yep. to our brothers and sisters and say, "Listen, I was out of line. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I wasn't treating you right. Yeah. I was excluding you. Mm-hmm. Please forgive me for that. Wh- whatever the case is, and wh- the way I responded to you." was not Christ-like. There yeah. was anger and there should have been love. Mm-hmm. And just, just res- res- restoration, you know? As much as possible, strive to live of peace with all men. That's it. Um, love your enemies, even. Mm. Um, and this is calling us as a gospel community to invest in the lives of people you wouldn't normally gravitate mm. towards. That's really good. You walk into a room and there's people you like and there's people you struggle to like. There are people like you, there are people not like you. The gospel community-focused mm. person goes towards the person who's not like them mm. and befriends the misfit is what you were saying. Just like Jesus did, he befriends mm. the misfits. Um, yeah. He befriended us. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and so we, we we are like him in that sense. So if you're divided, like you're saying, if you're divided from a brother or sister in Christ, mm. whether that's because you're refusing to repent or you're refusing to forgive their sin, you have to understand that God's taken this seriously. <coughs> if you're divided from your brother or sister because you refuse to repent or you refuse to forgive, God has taken that seriously, mm. and you and you need to <laughs> you need to deal with this by God's grace in your life. Um, last night we went to Matthew five verse twenty three to twenty four to finish up our time together, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'll get that because it's it's good stuff. Matthew five verse twenty three to twenty four. Um, are you there? Yeah. Yep. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Right. So what I, what I was saying about this verse in light of 1 Corinthians 11 is this. God is more interested in your unity with your brothers and sisters than in your service to him. Hmm. Yeah. We, we, could, we could even we can say your unity with your brothers or sisters in Christ is a prerequisite for your religious service. Yeah, you could say that too, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But it's not the other way. He doesn't say, um, I need you to worship me first and then go deal with your brothers and sisters. He's like, go deal with, that's the first thing. Then mm. come to me and offer your gift. So in, the, in one sense, if there was a choice, God's like, deal with that. Deal with your brother. And so you're right, it's a prerequisite. So it's the expression of my, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a prerequisite for like, any religious service that I'm going to do. Yeah. 
prayer, yeah. preaching, teaching. So, you, you know, you get up divided from your brother and sister and you preach. You get up divided from your brother and sister and you, you're part of the worship team, you know. God doesn't, God wants you to go <laughs> deal with your brother and sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God wants that before he wants, he's not impressed. He wants you to live in unity with your brother. He died to give us this. This is what the Eden was meant to be like. It's what the, it's what the, um, what it'll be like in glory when people from every tribe, tongue, and nation will come together to as one to say, you know, worthy is the lamb. So we're getting to live as the first fruits of that together. Yeah. So this is serious in God's sight that we that we live in this unity. Of course it is, yeah. It's Because, it's, I mean, I'm trying to think of who it was that said it, but the praises of earth prepare for the praises of heaven. Yeah. But it's like, you take that principle and you apply it to everything. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, this is a heavy chapter, chapter 11. Um, and I was like, man, this is, <laughs> but like, how do we not make this heavy when Paul is talking about people dying because of, mm. They're not because they're not living into this properly, um, and I just you know, guys, we ha- we have to. We're called to live in unity. We're called to this. We're we're already given it by the Holy Spirit. We're just called to live it out. Um, so if you're a divisive person over secondary doctrinal issues, if you're a divisive person over you're you're just you're sharp and you're angry and you're cutting towards people. Let, you need to allow Jesus to start working that out of you mm-hmm. and working instead his grace and gentleness and mercy so that you gravitate towards those people who are different mm-hmm. from you, you know? Additionally, um, you know, relationally, I think this is a call for us to, and like you say, and invest in the misfits, but it, like the, the warning is if our, if, if our rule of practice is to withdraw ourselves from people we can't relate to. Mm-hmm. That's that's really really poor and really unchrist. Like, and you alluded to this earlier, but um, Zacchaeus come down from that tree because yeah. we're gonna have a meal with you. Like, come to your house. Yeah, you the outcast. Um, yeah, you know, a prostitute mm-hmm. becomes a follower of Christ. A tax collector becomes a follower of Christ. A zealot mm-hmm. becomes a follower of Christ. Like mm-hmm. like swearing fishermen become followers of Christ, and he brings them to himself, and he spends three years with them, living mm-hmm. with them, and pouring love into their lives. Yeah, and I just think this passage as um as as as, as heavy as it sounds at sometimes, and it is, um, th- there's still intermingled into this like such love in what God is commanding us, because mm-hmm. it's showing that He cares equally and passionately about every single person, even people that would at times feel unlovable mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Like God's love is unchanged about those individuals, just like it's unchanged about me. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. God loves them. And he calls me. Uh, love is outgoing. So you might not be a naturally mm-hmm. outgoing person, but but love is outgoing. It's outreaching. Um, it's outward facing to the, to the world around us, to the people around us. And so, you know, you might not, we don't want people to come away saying like, I don't have that strength in me. We know you don't. So, um, we, we want people to come away from this time of listening to think God is, God can work this in me because it's his great desire is that I'll live this way. And mm. he's, he's called me to it. And he's going to enable me to do it. He's going to forgive me for every time I mess this up. So. Amen. God help us. Thank you for listening to the Body Bishops podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can contact us at baldybishops at gmail.com. And we don't have social media, so you can get hold of us on the Blurton Baptist Facebook or Instagram. Let's go get an O-cake. Okay.